In a world where horrid stenches and piercing screams come not from the realms of fantasy, but from the nightmare of reality. Come two heroes bonded by love and the kind of desperation only parents can know. No, God, please, no, no, no! Behold, RPGs and Baby Makes Three, the greatest podcast in the history of all podcasts by parents who have made a podcast about being gamers with a baby. Did I mention it's a podcast? Here are your hosts, Gretchen Hilmers and Rob Hessler. Man, that was an epic intro. Holy mackerel, <laughs> that is intense. Holy mackerel, I've never even heard you ever say that in the 21 years that we have been together. Well, that just proves you haven't been listening to a word I've said What was years. that? I am Rob Hessler, and with me as always, it's Gretchen Hilmers. That's me. That's you. Yeah. This is the inaugural episode of RPGs and Baby Makes 3. The first one. That's what inaugural means. Wow, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> We're here from the studios of our couch, and we are going to be playing for you a couple of segments that we have recorded about a various... Of, uh, a lot of opinions. Well, many... Well, two opinions. Two opinions about many subjects. That's true. That is true. <laughs> and, of course, the theme of this podcast is that Gretchen and I, we are a married couple, and we have a young child just over 11 months old and we are also avid gamers both board games and role-playing games and uh we're trying to navigate that while having a child and we thought it would be fun to do a little podcast while talking about things that aren't really related to that but also sort of in the context of being two gamers with a baby and a little wee baby which is really hard to also do a lot of gaming right now during a pandemic which is, ironically, why we have time to do this. Well, yes, it's true, because we are doing our games now online. We're using, like many people, we're using Zoom, and we're doing, well, we have a couple of different various games going on right now, and uh, yeah, Zoom is allowing us to play the games online, but like you said, we also have this extra time to do a podcast, and since the pandemic is never going to end, we'll be able to do this forever. Yeah, you know what I really miss about gaming in person, though? The food. The food. The food. The food. For sure. Oh, man. Now, if you're like us, when we have gaming days, and we'll have these epic things we call BGBBQs, which is board game barbecue. Usually it's board game. Sometimes a role-playing game might find its way in there. But we invite over a bunch of people. We have many tables going on at the same time. And it is the most epic potluck you have ever seen. That's pretty awesome. Miss it for sure. Even our regular RPG gaming table, we typically have those kind of potluck style things where people bring awesome yeah. food. Yeah. And, we, and I know we're going to talk about this more because we love food. No, and, we do love food. And one of us really loves talking. So you'll have to figure out which one that is. 
<laughs> well, let's get into our first segment here. Let's roll for initiative. They see me rolling. Some people are born lucky. Let's roll. Roll for initiative. All right, roll for initiative. So let's talk about our week in gaming. Now, this week, our week in gaming is pretty similar because we are both playing in the same games. But we'll start with you, Gretch. What's your week in gaming been, been like? Big gaming night. I mean, you... So, okay, so to everyone listening, we have a character in the group who needed to take her test with high sorcery. Mm-hmm. So Rob went on ahead and pulled the rest of us to the side to basically tell us, look, this is what's going on. Try not to interfere. And so this whole scenario played out to see if she would be red, black, or white. And uh, it was just, it was a big night. <laughs> she even pulled out that dragon orb. And I mean, things could have gone real bad. What Gretchen, of course, is talking about is my, I run a Dragonlance AD&D second edition game. Gretchen is one of the players. And so in Dragonlance, wizards within the world have to either be renegades, so they're sort of basically hunted and not a part of the establishment, or they join the Towers of High Sorcery and become sort of registered sorcerers in one of the three orders, which, as Gretchen said, white, red, or black. And white robes are sort of on the side of good, red is neutrality, and black is like evil. But See, I, I feel like that's backwards. I think red should be evil, black should be neutral. Let's well, let me see if I can go ahead and get Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman on the phone here who created it and see if maybe we can discuss with our issues think... with their robes. And okay. <laughs> no, I mean I actually kind of understand what you mean because like from a color theory standpoint it makes some sense. I mean, that is our background. Yeah, I know. I get that. But anyway, so I'm running this game, and yeah, so part of it is that at about 4th, 5th level, and this is a Dungeons & Dragons game, so about 4th, 3rd, 4th, 5th level, the character needs to undergo this test, and so as Gretchen said, I, I wanted it to be a surprise, and I didn't want the character to know that they were going through the test, and so yeah, I enlisted the rest of the players to help along with that. So she finished up her test, and and ended up becoming a red-robed wizard based on that result. I actually thought it was kind of over, so when that whole scenario broke down into a dream within a dream sort of thing, I was like, oh, oh, that's cool. Okay, cool. <laughs> but, you know, then I had to play it like, yeah, I knew this happened the whole time. Well, of course, I didn't tell them too much because I didn't want them to kind of know everything that was happening, that it was all a test or whatever. I wanted their characters to be natural as well. So, And it wasn't all a dream. What I ended up doing was running a scenario over top of an existing scenario. So the things that happened actually happened. They were just reframed to be test items. And it's kind of complicated, but all of you DMs out there know how sometimes games can get a little bit complicated, but it worked out really well. But we also played in a game last in the last uh, week. We played in the Pathfinder slash D&D 3.5 Ravenloft game, mm. uh, with which is online and with some people we don't really know. And that was, well, I'm going to say it was kind of a slower episode. We didn't really do very much. I don't. I don't actually remember what we did. Now that could be the fact that we have a baby that's not sleeping through the night and I have zero brain power. <laughs> <laughs> 
or not too much happened. So behind the curtain here, for those of you listening, and obviously it's RPGs and Baby Makes 3, Baby right now is basically baby. waking up baby, at... Baby. Yes, he's waking up at essentially... 5 a.m. every day, and Gretchen and I are... Sometimes 4.30. Sometimes 4.30, and one of us is always waking up with him, and we're alternating. And so, on whoever's day it is to wake up early, by the time we get to the game at night, whew, that's rough. Yeah, but usually, it's actually... I usually wake up early on the game. On Saturdays, yeah. But see, then we stay up late that night, and I wake up early the next day. Yeah, but man, you know, going on like, I don't even know how many hours that is. I don't know, but we basically live through a hellscape right now of trying to of sleep, as far as that goes. We have no sleep. I like turtles. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I mean, it's fun to play those, those games. My, I also have the Thursday game, which I play in sometimes as well. I play in a... It, it alternates between a few sessions in a row of I mean, playing... You kind of had something funny happen this week, though. Oh, yeah. Well, so I... <laughs> so the, the, it alternates between a second edition sort of really old-school dungeon crawl and a fifth edition game that's actually quite a bit of fun. Um, both of them are actually quite a bit of fun. And so we're getting ready to play, and it's an online game, as most are now in the COVID era, era here at this point. Uh, but it's an online game, and right before the game was supposed to start, the DM was like, "Sorry, guys, I can't, I can't run this week. Something came up." Well, he's super sarcastic like that all the time. He jokes about that like at every game. So like all of us are like, "Is this real or is this not?" <laughs> so we all like log on, and we're sitting there for 15 minutes. And turns out, actually, he's getting ready to move, and he had another work shift opportunity so come up. So he actually couldn't do he it. He actually <laughs> couldn't do it, but it was like, we were just like, oh, okay. So we were just kind of sitting around See, there. that's kind of the problem with sarcasm. <laughs> yeah, right. If you're sarcastic all the time, people never... It's like you're... The sky is falling. It's like that waiter at Saigon Bistro. You, he makes <laughs> such dry jokes that you just know we're out of that, and you just, you're like, oh! Okay, I guess I won't get that. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. We have it. Those are terrible jokes, though. I, but it's memorable. I mean, this is really inside. Like, who knows what Saigon Bistro is? I'm just putting a story out there to talk <laughs> about how sarcasm can be completely baffling. Uh, what else in gaming, though? What else have we been doing in gaming? I mean, I guess I've been working on some stuff. I mean, doing a little bit of planning, doing a little bit of reading. I'm reading this really great series of short stories called The Averone Archives by Clark Ashton Smith. And these stories were what the basic edition Dungeons and Dragons module Castle Amber was based on. And so I've been reading it. It's just like these old stories like from the 30s from Weird Magazine. And it's just got a lot of great personality. It's all set in like France between, I don't know, maybe like 1100 and 1500 AD. That's a huge swing. I know, but they they shift through time and stuff like that. The world changes a little bit and it's got some level of magic, kind of like Conan, like the original like Conan stuff. It's got like a little bit of magic in it, a lot of sort of like superstition and stuff like that. And each story is just like these crazy weird stories that are a lot of fun. And so I'm almost finished with that book and I've really been enjoying that. And that's kind of like gaming to a certain extent because I'm going to run the module Castle Amber and its background story and for that. Not only that, but you take a lot of inspiration from a lot you have your fingers in a lot of pies basically. I love stealing stuff from for gaming. Or are you paying homage? 
homage. I mean, it is homage, but I mean, I just steal, steal, steal. You know, I steal stuff, so. But yeah, that's pretty much it, I think, as far as gaming goes. We haven't been able to really do any board gaming or anything like that lately because it just takes so long to sort of set everything up. And then, you know, by the time that we get everything going, we're with baby and all of that. It's sort and of hard to do And if we were to set it. it up ahead of time, I have a feeling one of our cats, <clears throat> Odin, would uh, knock half the pieces on the floor <laughs> or chew them up. No doubt about it. And I mean, I think also like a lot of the games we have too are more than two players and you oh, can't really man. do the online stuff with these board games, whereas RPGs work really well <sighs> online. We have this tradition of something called BGBBQ, which is board game barbecue, where we invite a bunch of friends over. We end up having two, three, four tables of games going on at the same time. Smaller games, very serious, long-term games. Crunchy games. Super crunchy games, super lighthearted games. games. There's sometimes screaming games, yes, that's true. Yeah, I like some screaming games every now and then. Is that a wizard game where you can't, like, you have to yell? Are you talking about Potion Explosion? No, that's yeah. the other one. Uh, ta-da. Ta-da. Ta-da, yeah, which is a really fun game. But yeah, none of that lately, but part of a role-playing game. So anyway, do we want to get into the meat of the show? Let's go ahead and start with, unless you have something else to say. I'm the quiet one in this relationship. That's true. That's true. Let's get to our first segment then. <laughs> going on we look at the person through the peephole you talking to me crazy maybe if i get lucky we get a little action adventure of our own going you know what I mean? proficiency check and we are gonna be talking about a very interesting topic in my mind cheating oh dun 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 <laughs> cheating in rpgs now i think on the surface we say i mean who cheats in an rpg I mean, like, why would you cheat in a game you can't win, right? But at the same time, I think, you know, we buy into these characters. We, they become important to us over time. And we don't like them to die or lose. We don't like them to fail. And certain DMs, certain game masters will... And certain games will kill your character. And you've invested a lot of time and energy into it. So, I mean, I can understand that there's a logic of, to cheating. Yeah, but you've come across some strange cheating scenarios where, you know, and the funny thing about you is you will do the online dice rolling just to make sure people know that you're being legit about something. Or I've seen players, because we're doing a lot of the Zoom RPG right now because pandemic, they'll pick up the die and show the camera so you can see. I just think that it's funny, but it's also sad. Like, there's, there's a concern that they think, possibly, that they could be considered cheating. But I, I don't want to play with anybody who's going to cheat. I just want to trust that you're rolling the die, and you're doing it right, and you tell us the right thing, and that's the way it goes. Well, okay, let's let's talk more in depth of this. So, Because I do a lot of... I act as the dungeon master or game master in a lot of the games that you and I have played together. And I've had a bit of a change of feelings about cheating. So I had an experience where I had a player in my game who cheated regularly. He would... <laughs> now, how did you know this? So he would... First of all, he always rolled awesome. I mean, like, all the time. But then I started to notice what he would do is he'd put a die down that had a high score on it, roll a different die, 
and then call out the number that was on the die that was sitting there already that had a high score on it. So you could look at his die rolling tray and see that there was a die that had the number he said, but it was not the die he rolled. Did all of them look the same? No, but you know, like, you think about how much energy and effort it takes to run a table where you have yeah. four, five, six people. Plus you have a screen in front of you. And there's all this stuff going yeah. on, and I don't have time to really be, like, honing in on this, but I started to notice that he was cheating. So what I, my first, my initial way of responding was that I was, I said, well, okay, don't cheat, okay? He kept cheating. I just said that, hey, I know somebody's cheating in this group, don't cheat, just stop cheating. That didn't happen. So then I said, well, look, I'm not going to stop you from cheating. But if you cheat in my game, I will cheat against you as the game master. (laughs) Now, that's an effective method, but I don't want to cheat. No. I don't want to cheat as a game master, even against another player. It puts it as a sort of confrontational scenario between player and game master. So that's not really fun. I ended up kicking out that player from the game for other reasons. It wasn't even about the cheating. But since that time, I've changed my viewpoint on cheating. I actually don't care if people cheat. Well, okay, I shouldn't say I don't care at all. I care like internally and emotionally, but then I just let it go. Because we're all just here playing a game. I don't really care if it, as long as the cheating doesn't overshadow another player in my game, like as if it makes one character, the player who is cheating, somehow elevated above everyone else or they get more sort of you know screen time so to speak if that happens then it's an issue but if that's not happening if they just like make an extra saving throw or hit an extra time or do more damage or something along those lines i don't really care if they cheat i mean that's really not that big of a deal I don't know. I mean, what do you think? I mean, when I explain it that way, you know. Get their I mean? ass out the door. <laughs> <laughs> I just look, I'm selective about the people I have in my life and that I spend time with. Now, I know that when you're in a gaming group, it could just be a assortment of randos and you're all brought together by the person leading the game. But thankfully, you know, in the games that we've been doing, I feel like we all have a camaraderie, we all get along, there's an energy. I just think that if you have someone who's cheating in the group, then that's not the vibe that I wanna go for. And who wants to spend time with people who are gonna lie to you? I just, I don't know. Yeah, just... I get that, I get that. But you know, so we're talking about cheating in the t- in terms of rolling dice. Yeah, but still. But there's other ways of cheating too oh. that we haven't really even talked about. like. Having equipment that isn't on your character sheet and saying you have it or writing it in, for example. Or doing things like where you are metagaming in a way is cheating. cheating. Like where you're you're allowing your character to have knowledge Mm, in the game that your character doesn't have. And I, I know you've experienced that. I've experienced that before. I actually am more bothered by that, which mm. I don't know if you... I mean, I kind of think of that as a form of cheating. It's like... But see, I, you know, I kind of feel like sometimes it's hard to differentiate out of character and in character. Sometimes those lines get blurred, and I think I can kind of understand that from time to time. I don't necessarily know that it is full-on cheating. Like, how do you benefit from that? Other than 
oh, well, you know that this character is, you know, about to lick some mold that could kill you. So my character's not going to go over there. I, I guess that is benefiting. When you, you're using your outside knowledge in kind of an extreme way to the benefit of your character, that is cheating. Like, it's it, it gives you an advantage. I mean, it's just as much to your advantage as deciding that the die that you rolled didn't actually roll a 5, but instead of rolled a 15. I mean, like, you think about that. You know, this is something that gets tricky for me. Is I'm playing a Kender, and they're supposed to be fearless. Not stupid, but fearless. And they want to just go do things. And, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, oh, well, that plant with the delicious looking berries that my husband just dangled in front of my character is probably going to really hurt my character. I don't want to go over there. But I know that my character would go over there. And it's so hard sometimes for me to send my little dude in into <laughs> the jaws of death, basically. <laughs> because he wants some shiny, delicious looking berries. I still do it, but I have found myself like, eh, you know, second guessing things or, you know, trying to convince other characters to go in first. I don't know. I, it's hard. Is that cheating? Would Tick Tick always be like, I'm just going to go in and do this because my friends want me to? Or would he at a certain point say, you know what? Nah, why don't you go into the dark hole this time? Well, I mean, that's sort of interesting, too, because, like, we're also, when we're talking about metagaming, we're defining what we think is the right way to play a game, a role-playing game, onto everybody when we say it is black and white cheating. Because some people, metagaming is not even an issue in the games. Like, just as an example, I've played some games in Pathfinder Society before. And so Pathfinder Society, if you don't know... Every game is a one-off, and it lasts three to four hours, and Pathfinder Society here, pre-COVID, was you sign up in advance, you show up, and you play. And sometimes you might know one or two people at the table, maybe you know nobody. You bring a character, or you can play a pre-made character that they have a variety of characters there. And there isn't as much role-playing investment in those characters, and so when... I noticed when I played those games that when it came to combat and tactics and stuff in the game, it became metagame. Like the game itself transitioned from a role-playing game to a tabletop combat simulator, <laughs> right? So I'm not saying that's bad or good. That's not necessarily my style of play, but everybody at the table was doing it and it was almost this like unspoken agreement that that was perfectly okay that you're like oh i've got so and so spells memorized oh if i do this then you do that and like they're totally the players were talking in a way that their characters were not on the board to strategize of what was happening in the game so in that circumstance nobody would call metagaming cheating but I think in the circumstances of when you're playing a, like a real role-playing story-based game, when you break out of that mold to give your character an advantage or even another character an advantage, that, in that case, it is cheating. So it's like it kind of depends on what type of game you're playing. So you think out-of-character strategizing is a form of cheating? I think it depends. 
So, out of character strategizing during an in-game scenario, I think, is cheating to a certain extent. But I think that when you're just talking like the game is not actively happening, I don't think that is cheating to talk about that out-of-character strategy because our characters are actually oftentimes way more knowledgeable about a situation than we as people are. Like, if you're playing, like, let's say you're playing a, a fantasy role-playing game and you have a character who's, and you're playing a wizard, and your wizard has a genius-level intelligence... Very few people at the table have a genius level intelligence. Well, some are going to think they do. Right? Or let's say you're... So, like, they're going to know things that you... Okay. It's hard mm -hmm. to know in that circumstance. Or, like, let's say you're playing a general in, like, a war game or something. You're playing a general who, like, is a master strategist. Well, I'm not a master strategist. But I could play that character. I could come up with some old grizzled veteran, you know, and I'd play this character. But I wouldn't be able to be a master strategy, like master at strategy. So to talk about it outside of the context of in-character stuff to come up with strategy, I don't think that would be cheating because that's like you're just like trying to gain information. But I think when you're in the middle of a combat or in the middle of a role-playing scenario, and let's say you're... I mean, let's just take it out of the combat realm into just role playing. Like, let's say your group is meeting with the king. You're in like the you're in an audience chamber with the king, and you're surrounded by nobles, and you're trying to convince the king <laughs> well, of something. Well, you've thing. turned this on at least me and some others before, where we're talking and trying to figure out what to do, and you're doing it as if we're saying it in character. <laughs> And, and that's a great way to do it as a DM. And it's a really awkward moment. We're like, no, no, I, <laughs> I didn't mean that. Well, that's using, I try to use humor to just remind you, hey, like, you're in front of these people. You can't. So, that, I mean, that's the thing. is like if you were talking about, well, how do we want to approach how the king? How do we present ourselves in front of the king? And the king, you're in front literally of right there in front of him, you know? <laughs> So, I mean, I think that those scenarios are funny. I mean, we're kind of getting off on a tangent with cheating because, I mean, it sort of starts with dice. But I think it's really interesting, you know, there's a lot of philosophical stuff that you can discuss about this. I think it's pretty black and white. If people roll, if you roll a 20-sided die and you get a 3 and you say it's an 18, then it's you cheated. Yeah. I think it's, it's a little more gray if you say you have a piece of equipment that is not on your character sheet because I think sometimes there could be instances, and I will admit to having done this before, where I didn't have something written on my character sheet, but it's something my character definitely would have had. Mm, yeah. You know what I mean? Like if if I'm playing like a forest ranger or something like that, maybe I do have some herbs and plant bits that could help me camouflage myself in the trees or something. Maybe I didn't, I mean, that's not a great example, but. There are circumstances where I could imagine that a character would have, like, if you're a fighter, maybe, and you don't have it written on your character sheet that you have a knife on you, I would probably be perfectly fine with that fighter having a knife. Just because, why well, wouldn't they have a knife do... in their belt or for their cooking, cut right. their food, you know what I mean? But you also do this thing with the Supernatural game, at least, with the plot points, so... You know, say, well, do I have this? Oh, maybe you do. Well, see, that's a great points. mechanic that I think is something, it's one of the benefits of playing all different types of games and not just getting stuck with something like Dungeons and Dragons. Is what you're describing is in the Supernatural RPG, which we do have a review of, 
the supernatural RPG has a mechanic called plot points and you gain them for doing interesting things during the game and you can spend those plot points to actually change the world that you're in. It can change your dice roll slightly, but where it's really beneficial is to say, I spend two plot points and I have one last silver bullet that I can pull out when you're fighting a werewolf. Or, or like there something. is a candy cane lawn ornament. <laughs> <laughs> Which will eventually be used to fight off Krampus. <laughs> More details in another episode. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I think so that that, that kind of um, eliminates that style of cheating or whatever. But... One of the things about Supernatural, and this is another benefit to that, is Supernatural is a fail-forward game. What that means that <laughs> if you fail, you don't usually die in that game. It means it follows like the television show Supernatural, where if the demons kick your ass, then you don't die. You just wake up tied to a chair, and then that becomes <laughs> the next scene in the story. Whereas, like, in a game like Dungeons & Dragons, you get your ass kicked by the demons, you're probably dead. <laughs> Although I would probably have you tied up in some other place, because as a DM, what's more fun than being able to twist the story around just by having somebody, by having the characters lose? Well, I mean, you really like story. Yeah. Are we still talking about cheating? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, if you've got your stories about cheating, then go ahead and send us an email. RPGs... I'd love to hear your the best example of someone cheating that you've witnessed or that you've done. All of this could be anonymous, of course. But let's hear it. Yeah. What have you done? Um, we'll talk about it on the show for sure. RPGsandbabymakes3 at gmail.com. I would love to hear it. So, yeah, hopefully people will... Hopefully you all will send us in your stories because I think it'd be really interesting. Uh, I have to learn another system. How many systems are there? How could this happen to me? Product reviews. Okay, so we're going to be talking about one of my favorite role-playing books, which I only really recently received thanks to you as a birthday gift, Gretchen. Happy and birthday, Rob. Thank you. And that's Sly Happy Flourishes. <laughs> that's Sly Flourishes The Lazy Dungeon Master by Michael E. Shea. Now, just to kind of clarify things here, it's called The Lazy Dungeon Master, but it's really not about being lazy. It's about using your time wisely as a game master to make games that are actually more fun than if you sat down and spent hours and hours and hours doing prep work. So it's- Work smarter, not harder. Work smarter, not harder. That's exactly what it is. So now this was written in, I think about 2012, 2011, 2012. And so it is during the fourth edition Dungeons and Dragons era, but it's completely non-setting specific. So you can really use this for any game, but it's a really good point because we were sort of talking about doing this segment and brought up the fact that 
you noted that I used to spend forever prepping. Oh my god, you used to spend so many hours, it would drive me crazy, because I was like, we work a lot, I miss my husband, he has spent hours working on this game. Well, and right, and so like, I'm trying to write out all this stuff hours. that- Yeah, really, hours. <laughs> I'm trying to write out all this stuff that is interesting for a game, and then also trying to predict X, Y, and Z that the players might do so that way if they go in this direction or that direction or that direction, then I'm like prepared for it. Yeah, but let's be honest. You could plan out every single direction, left, right, north, east, up, down, and then we go backwards. Of course. I mean, that's kind of the way it is. But the funny thing is, and I think this is where I really learned that lesson, is that you've often told me that the best game I ever ran was <laughs> oh called God. a very 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 bad day oh so amazing which was for the supernatural rpg which had literally one half of a page of notes that i prepped in 15 minutes we all laughed so hard most of us were in tears that whole game <laughs> so what it was was that it was a situation where somebody was in our gaming group was supposed to run a game that night and she ended up being sick, so she couldn't run the game. So, But I wanted to play. Like, I was really looking forward to it. She canceled an hour before the game was supposed to start. So I was like, well, screw it. I'm going to run a game tonight. And we had been playing Supernatural for a couple of years, and so we knew the rules. And it's one of those things where Supernatural is a very episodic game. So you Monster can play, of the Week. It's Monster of the Week. So you can play a game at any time, and like you can have different players, and we would often have different players at the different games. And so I was like, well, I can just come up with something. So I thought to myself, I had this idea in mind for a while, and that was Groundhog Day. <laughs> so I would make a game where the same thing was happening over and over again. So, Which is also something that was done in Supernatural. Right, they did at the mystery spot. They did an episode yes, of Dean Supernatural. Dean keeps dying. Dean keeps and dying. Sam's trying to figure and it, it was out. a trickster. Yeah, so I kind of took my own spin on it. So I came up with a couple of very small details. Some interesting NPCs. Marge, who was the the lady at the diner. I created this. 70s era hotel the in, land salmon the land salmon supernatural <laughs> is a very their hotel rooms are always like sort of iconic that's a part of it they always go to diners and then i had a couple of characters in there that were that played a role in what was going on and that's it i just gave them a, like a little touch of personality each and then and like you said there were three players and I as the DM and you guys were laughing your butts off. And then every time that the day would reset, because the day reset every time the characters died, which was all the time. <laughs> Thing, I mean, I think at one point the diner blows up. At one other time you guys we're get hit, hit by, by a, a truck. By a yeah. truck. <laughs> uh, someone was poisoned by drinking some sort of tainted liquor. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But we all had so much fun and I did very Wait, what little. what did the waitress say? Can't stay unless you order something, Cal. You know the rules. <laughs> so I must have said that five, six, seven times because every time it was reset. Yeah, and there was a guy who couldn't find his cell phone. And then by the end, our friend Harry was saying, you know it's in your pocket. It's in your pocket, damn it. <laughs> we were yelling. It was just, oh my God. I, I was actually... You know, so my character in Supernatural is a grumpy barista named Megan, and she was just done by the end. I think I was just, oh my god, not again! And, uh, god, it was just, 
I really kind of, there was so much energy and it was so funny and it was such a good time. Yeah, and so by the time, it took me less than an hour to figure out. And then of course, after tormenting the group for a couple of hours, <laughs> I introduced something that changed. And then that made them think, oh, wait a second. Okay, something's off now. Now we're gonna follow that string. And it was the perfect kind of thing for like a three, four hour game session. The Lazy Dungeon Master, this book, it talks about those kind of things. So like in the case of that particular game, I focused on some interesting NPCs. I focused on creating a vivid setting instead of saying, here is this grand story I want to tell. Now, there's a couple of things that go into that. First, you have to know the rules of the game really well. So I didn't have to worry about statting out everything because I know how to play Supernatural the RPG really well. I'd been running it for a couple of years. I knew the game inside and out. So I didn't have to worry about that. So not having any of that background information, perfectly fine. The second thing is I've been running games for a long time. So I've been working on my improv improvisational skills. So I was able to just kind of feel comfortable just being like, I'm just gonna make up some random thing. But I also think that you can find, there's all over the internet, just do a, a search for it. There are tables where it's like you literally randomly roll and it'll give you a character trait that will make NPCs interesting without doing any prep work. Maybe it'll be like the character speaks in a French accent and you're thinking, well, I don't know how to speak in a French accent. So what? Make up a bad French accent and then your NPC speaks in a bad French accent. And that's what makes them sort of <laughs> unique and interesting, right? I like this book, Lazy Dungeon Master, because it's like, I spend a lot more time reading things and doing prep work that I think is interesting rather than doing filling in stat blocks or like writing out intricate descriptions of every single thing. Because I like doing prep work, but there's also a lot of wasted time in doing it. As you know. Yeah, just... there's this funny story of one of our friends who is a GM and he... According to his husband, he would put hours in and write virtual novels in these notebooks and then something would happen in the game and he would have to skip ahead several pages because none of the characters would go in the way that he planned out and all that time was wasted. Exactly. And I mean, you know, I think that that can happen all the time. I mean, you know, I had a, a game where that I was running a couple of years back where I How had... How many years did that game last? That game lasted for three years. So I had a game that ran for three years, about about 80 sessions or so of the game. And there were circumstances where I would present them with something or I would spend all of this time on something and they didn't have any interest in going in that direction. So like, oh, I've got an entire keep designed with all of the noble family line and like all of these <laughs> intricately detailed NPCs. They talk to one for five minutes and then move on. And I'm like, well, that was two hours of planning down the drain. And that's a waste, you know what I mean? And especially as, you know, parents and busy people, we have like full-time jobs and we're working all the time and trying to do all this stuff. I mean, you, you can do that. And I'm, it's not to say that I don't didn't enjoy doing the planning, but it's like, there's other stuff I would rather do than do I that. Know, but just think about now that we have a baby and we have zero time for ourselves. Think of all the time we could have spent doing something else with that instead of playing. Well, yeah, and I mean, like, I even think about, like, even... We could have slept all of those hours. <laughs> we could have slept so much more. But I mean, like, even thinking about, like, game-related topics, like, 
you know, for example, I mentioned to you that I haven't done any prep work for the Dragonlance game that I'm running right now for the last three weeks in a row. I haven't done any prep work. Now, part of that is because I had done prep work before, but part of that is also because I'm going with the flow to a certain extent, and I've planned smartly in the past. So things exist, and they're not, they're independent of what you do. It doesn't matter. You don't, I'm not forcing you to go down a particular path. And it even kind of talks about that in the Lazy Dungeon Master, is that like, if you create something as a dungeon master or game master, you're gonna want your players to do that thing. So you're gonna try to force them down that path when maybe that's not the path of fun. Maybe that's not what they wanna do. And honestly, it's probably not, if they don't wanna do it, they're not gonna enjoy it as much. And then you're gonna feel like inferior, like you didn't run a good game. Yeah, but based on some recent conversations that we've had, it sounds like it might've been a good idea for at least you know our group to have gone and gotten some magic weapons from some different adventures that we just glossed right over and skipped. That's true. I mean, you do you can miss stuff if you don't go in particular directions. But I mean, like, really, the game continues on. We're still having fun. You know what I mean? It doesn't really matter what direction you go in. The point of playing a game is to have fun. So, like, by using some of these techniques in this book, which I love, it just makes it so that way you're just focused on doing some fun stuff. So instead of doing prep work in the last couple of weeks, I've read another module that I really am excited about, which is called Castle Amber. It's a first... It's a... Actually, it's a basic edition or expert set edition Dungeons and Dragons module from 1981 that I just have heard is fascinating interesting and I spent time reading that that I wouldn't have had otherwise if I had to sit down in front of my computer and design intricate details of the city that you're in. The city that you're in right now has very sketchy details, but doesn't it feel vibrant when you go to a new place? I mean, there was no Kender there, so it was pretty great. <laughs> like you guys went shopping and you went and you stole some scones and Tick Tick did not steal scones. And they went. You guys went to to visit a mage, Megana the Red. I didn't even have her named before you walked in there, but I was working on doing a in my day job writing an article about an artist, Megan Jones. So I was like, Megan, Megan, Megana. I just put an A at the end of her name. She became Megana. She was a red robe wizard, so Megana the Red. Megan might actually really appreciate that. (laughs) I know she does play RPGs. (laughs) But I mean, like, I just came up with that right on the fly. And then we went in there and you guys started to explore around the shop and I had some random tables, started rolling some stuff up. We ended up having a pretty interesting hour-long encounter in that shop that people were fascinated by and kind of added some dimension to my world and I had no prep work on that at all whatsoever. Now of course I took detailed notes while we were talking in that scenario so now I know the details of that place. If you go back it already exists, you know I've already created it. And because I have those notes now, if I ever run a game in the future, Megana the Red who owns a magic shop, the Mageware shop is what it's called, that can exist in a future game I've already created. I don't have to create it again. You know what I mean? So like I put no prep work into that, you know? So I think that that's kind of an interesting thing. And and this book gives a lot of those kind of details. So saves time. And I think that it is a fun book to play with as well. It's also just kind of fun. You can pull out the little three by five index cards and create a little adventure in just a few minutes which I think is interesting. So, And I really appreciate the few minutes because I missed you during that time, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> if you've had any experience with the Lazy Dungeon Master, you can email us about it here at 
RPGs and Baby Makes Three. We would love to hear what you've got to say about it because I think it's a great book. Or if you've just got some stories about how you do your prep work, how you sort of plan out your game, we'd love to hear from you and we will talk about it on the show if you email us. So we look forward to hearing from you. So we're going to be talking about a subject I didn't think was controversial at all, but apparently I think it is. It's very apparently controversial, and that is dice. Now, just to kind of lay this out here, is that you know everybody, well, except for apparently Gretchen, has. <laughs> you can't the, say everybody. I think most people. So let's just get this started. Here. Okay. So, in RPG gaming, tabletop gaming, a dice collection is kind of a thing. I mean, people love to get their dice, and there's all, it's a huge market out there. Well, when you talk about a collection, then yeah, of course, there's so many cool types of dice out there. I mean, you have metal ones, shiny metal ones, matte metal ones, copper ones, you have sparkly ones, you have ones that you can't read because there's too much intricate <laughs> detail and you never use them. And plus, just like the polyhedral dice are just kind of cool. Like, so. You know, when you're a kid, it's like only these, a six-sided die is like what you know, right? But then like, you know, the thing that's kind of cool about tabletop dice is like there are D4, D6, D8, D10, D12, D20s, or even D30. D100? There is a D100. Oh my God, that is chunky. Yeah, it is. It's like <laughs> the size of a, a ping pong ball. And they're very expensive, actually. Really? Yeah. <laughs> but and that's the point, though. And you mentioned, of course, the different types of dice here. And so we... I. Recently, we were having a conversation with our gaming group, which is about like about dice. And you, my birthday was recently, and you got me some awesome new dice, including a set of metal dice, which are nice and heavy and wonderful. And I want to use them to kill the PCs. I mean, not at all. Like, <laughs> I don't kill PCs, but I. They're, yeah, it's like say. I literally am keeping them in a, a different bag than the rest of the dice because I want they're special. And I think, oh, they're special. I'm only going to roll them at special times. So I've been collecting these dice and I shifted out some and I have a bunch of dice. And you've had the same dice for like five years. Yeah, so I mean, okay, but, but here's the thing. When you talk about your dice, you know, you want to bring them out for special occasions. And okay, that makes sense. I can get behind that. But is there a die that you just don't use when you want to cause some damage because you think it's going to roll low? Or too high. Okay, so I have this oh. clear die okay. with uh -huh. white numbers on it. It's a D20. Okay. Clear die with white numbers. I've had it for a while. Actually, you bought this for me years ago. I have this die, and it is amazing at rolling 20s and 1s. So <laughs> One or the other. And also, I've noticed that it rolls 13s a lot. So it... it, it <laughs> Depending on what game you're playing, too, you know, a 20 is a critical success or a critical failure, depending on what you're doing, you know, in a certain in a certain given game or whatever it might be. Like, we're playing, one of our games that we're playing in is AD&D 2nd Edition, and in that case, a 20 can be a critical success in a critical hit, or a critical success at, you know, a saving throw, for example, but... It can also be a critical failure when doing a proficiency check. So it's not good in that case. 
but it's like it's mostly 20s but then it's got a lot of ones in it so there'll be that critical failure but i like i like that about it too you yeah, know but, but okay so there is a superstition about dice in the rpg community of course i have there witnessed is. it it is but it's not logical it's there, a die cannot but, be like cursed or better unless the way it was created is maybe weighted in a certain way. Well, that's way. the thing, is that there's imperfections in the creation of these things. They're not, like, perfectly perfect. So, you know, they But wouldn't don't... that be a form of cheating? I mean, really? I mean, if you knew it. So I remember long, long, long ago. All right. <laughs> way back when I was yeah, a young child. There was a guy who I know who, would, who buffed his die oh. on the 20 side of it. So it wouldn't, it wouldn't sit right on the 20. And 20 on the 20 side of the die is opposite of the one. So he it didn't make him roll more critical successes or anything like that, but it made the likelihood of a critical failure less. So that was, in that case, cheating. But I mean, I think if you come across a die that just happens to roll well for you often, is that really cheating? I mean, it's, if the rolls mix up enough that it's not going to be, oh, I know I'm going to get this or this, then okay, no, not cheating. But if you roll a die that gets what you want it to get often, then I feel like maybe something's off with that die. Well, look, I think at some point you and I are going to have to do another segment on cheating because I think that this is an interesting topic in and of itself. Okay, but die. Okay, let's, let's talk about the, the superstition dice. of die. So superstition of dice... I mean, think about how much we come to love our characters. I don't know how many times in the last month that you have said to me, how you've expressed to me how sad or upset or even maybe like angry at me you would be <laughs> if your character You tick, will be tick, sleeping on the couch. <laughs> yeah, if your character Tick Tick Brambleby, the Kender in the Dragonlance game that I ride. Oh my god. If he dies. He dies. Like, you're literally going to be mad at me about it. <laughs> and what do you say? I don't kill, I don't kill characters. characters. Yeah, the game kills characters. But see, that's... But the, the point being is that, like... So we invest a lot of emotional energy in our characters. So therefore, if there are dice that perform well or perform poorly, we can associate superstition with those things. Yeah, but I've been using... Oh, okay, so you got me that dice set that was the Cthulhu dice. It's a little... It's beautiful. They're beautiful die, but it's just a little hard to read. Well, describe so, them. Describe what they so look like. So they're, they're black dice, and they have purple decorations and purple numbers on them, but they're it's a very dark purple, mm -hmm. and... It has gotten increasingly more difficult for my <laughs> aging eyes to see them. So I don't really, and also when you're gaming, you're not going to have it bright in the room. It's a little dim, so it's a little bit harder to see them. So I don't use them really. Right. And the, the, the designs that are around, the numbers are in the middle of the designs, and the designs are all this like creepy elder Cthulhu Elder God. Yeah, it takes thing. up a lot of space, so the yeah, numbers yeah. Are, are small. Uh -huh. And the numbers are also themselves designed in an yes. interesting way. So they're yes. very cool, like, very. but they're not user friendly. Right. And then I have this other set that are, like, you know, I can read them very easily. 
but I've been using the same two sets of dice for, I mean, when did you well, get those? It's gotta be like five years, four or five years you've been using those dice now. A while, and I, I don't switch it up. I don't think that one dice rolls better than the other. I don't, it's just, it is what it is. Yeah, no, but you're wrong. <laughs> dice have <laughs> mythical properties to them and not. you just don't understand you have to be crazy to think that it's just it's just it's crazy it's crazy well okay it's so I, I i get i get that it is like it's it's definitely illogical but i mean we're playing a game that involves using your imagination and I think, you know, we're in the in the place of imagination. Isn't it just more fun to kind of buy into this notion of there is these powers in these dice almost like there are the and and let me tell you, you roll bad with a die a few times in a row, that die goes into timeout. As you well know. <laughs> that die is not I'll be like, I'm done with that die for the night. But I don't do that. I just keep going with it. And if it's gonna be a mean bastard to me, then that's that's how it goes. Well, you know what's so funny? So we were talking about this dice with our gaming group here, and one of our other players posted up this thing where it showed the character in the cartoon had all of these different dice pouches for different things, and one of them was for, like, the bad dice. And I jokingly said, well, that's because you don't want them to touch the other dice and infect them with their <laughs> curse. And... I pulled out the dice that didn't roll well you when did. I recently redid my yeah. dice thing, and I put them in another pouch. Now, and I'm a pretty rational, logical person, but I didn't want those dice touching my other good dice. <laughs> crazy. Oh my god. But it's also well, fun. Well, in here, buy me a winning set. Find me a winning set. But you never know. You know what I mean? Maybe when you're on the adventure, you find a cursed item instead of finding the good item. You think this is a great item, but nope, it's a cursed item. I, can't I don't know. I kind of default that it's going to hurt me somehow. <laughs> like, we found that ring of teleportation or transportation, whatever. Teleportation. Teleportation. Yeah. And, and I'm like, okay, what's going to happen? Is my character going to get shorter? Am I going to lose a finger? Something bad's going to happen here. Well, it's going to transport me into a pit of wild dogs that are going to tear me limb from limb. The funny thing is, is you're joking, but that actually can happen in the version of the game that we're playing because we're playing AD&E 2nd Edition. In that case, teleportation can actually teleport you into like the stone of the ground and kill you. So See? there See? is the chance. See, I, I do not default to, this is a good thing. <laughs> no, I always think about how is this gonna kill me? Sounds pretty illogical to me. <laughs> I'm, I'm hardened into the ways of, of good luck. Anyway, it's a funny subject. It's an interesting topic. So if you're out there listening and you've got some thoughts about your dice, then send us an email here at rpgsandbabymakes3 at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your dice stories because I think that they're awesome. <laughs> Well, that does it for the inaugural episode of RPGs and Baby Makes 3. Thank you for tuning in. Gretchen, thanks for joining me in the studio today. Oh, yes. Yes. The fancy high-tech studio of our couch in the living room. Oh, wait. Am I not supposed to say anything? I mean, at least we have a good recording device. We do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's awesome. It's right there in front of us. It's right in front of us. It's got right a little now. duper on it. A duper. 
let's not even tell the people what that means. It's a duper. But uh, thank you for tuning in. I hope that you enjoyed that. We will be back. We're going to run this uh, every, every couple of weeks or so. We're going to put out a new episode, and we appreciate you listening in. If you've got any comments or questions, you can email us at RPGs and Baby Makes 3. We would love to hear from you regarding any of the topics that we brought up in today's episode or just anything that you want to talk to us about, especially if it's a compliment. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's going to be lots of criticism, too. What are you talking about? Nerds never criticize. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for tuning in, y'all. We will talk to you in a couple of weeks. We appreciate it. Bye. RPGs and Baby Makes 3 is a production of Gretchen and Rob sitting on their couch. Email the show at rpgsandbabymakes3 at gmail.com. You can find more episodes on Podbean, Spotify, and iTunes, as well as on our free Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash RPGs and Baby Makes 3.